following is a podcast of 19 North, a young adults ministry at Victory Family Church. For more details, see 19north.tv. Listen, this could be a heavy answer. This could be a funny answer. Both are completely acceptable. Who thinks they've got the best answer ever? Ryan, come on. What is it? I say if you're in the bathroom and you are committed and there's no toilet paper. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, okay. So who are you gonna who are you gonna call to if you're not alone then you know uh, okay just throwing it out there yeah you're alone okay I get it anybody else who has something anybody I got Ricky Flat need to hear from Ricky in a room with my uncle, <laughs> in a room with my uncle he said just for you it's <laughs> oh, funny on so many levels Ricky <laughs> oh gosh it really is. <laughs> Oh man. Okay. Okay. Eric's excited. A wedding altar. A wedding? What? <laughs> yeah. Dude, that is so good. Oh man. <laughs> you were confident too. Eric's like, I got one. That was good. Who said that? Oh, Anna. So creative, Anna. Way to go. And letting the extrovert take the glory. Way to go. I, that's what leaders do. Anybody over here? Anybody got, you got something? Three. Very, very serious. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So limited resources, can't speak the language, and lost direction. Yeah, I think you can get, you can find that in, in Washington, D.C., right? <laughs> like if you go to D.C., it's like, I don't care. I can't find anybody who speaks English right now. This is scary. Uh, you can find it in New York, I'm sure, right? Yeah, somewhere around there. Um, so mine was like, mine was like, a little bit different. I was thinking about it for me, because you know my personality. I talk about this all the time. Maybe if you're a first time guest, you, you have to understand. I love people, but I just don't like when they touch me, okay? So I, I'm, I'm being a little sarcastic, but not much. So mine would definitely be if I like woke up and I'm suddenly all by myself, it would be like the worst thing ever would be in the middle of Times Square on New Year's Eve. That would be horrible. It's like, oh gosh, that for me would be bad because of the guy peeing over here, guy puking over here, everybody touching me. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Gotta get out of here. A volcano would be a bad one too, right? That would be pretty bad. You know, shark tank thing, you could look at it that way. Um, But I do know somebody who was actually left alone in a funeral parlor. That would stink pretty bad, right? That's a true story. Like his parents went home, didn't even realize he wasn't in the car. And then they realized he was alone in a funeral parlor. So that was a bad one. So that that was was something that I think about. But I'm going to tell you, as we get into this, um, you know, our our subject title, I'm going to start a new series tonight that God has really, you know, when God changes your life on something, you got to talk about it, right? Everybody's on the same page, including me, you know? Um, For me, um, God has really changed my life recently, and uh, God's really done a lot in my heart, and I have to share about it. I have to, I have to open this up, and I have to, we have to go for it. Um, So for the next four weeks now, if it's interrupted, it's because Lauren has had her, had, had our, our little boy, right, babe? Judah Cole will be here, so I'll just kind of pick it up, you know, whenever the time is right. Uh, but God's really, God's really done something significant in my life. Now, I'm going to tell you real quick about the, uh, the, the worst place I've ever been left alone. Uh, I was about seven years old. Because you remember, like, I remember vivid memories from when I was seven. I don't know. You might, like, hear my stories and be like, dude, you, you remember 
details. And, and when Lauren heard this story, she's like, Zach, you had a horrible life, you know? I'm like, oh, thanks, you know? <laughs> yeah, sad childhood. That's what she said. <laughs> you had such a sad childhood. Yeah, so this is a little sad, but it's okay. I can make fun of it now. It's okay. So when I was seven years old, my friend, <laughs> I'm so sorry, my friend invited me to Waldemere Park. Does anybody know Waldemere? Has anybody been there? Got a couple hands from Waldemere, okay? It doesn't seem like the most popular place on the planet, but, you know, it's like, hey, you know, it's pretty awesome. It, when I was a kid, it was one of the biggest water parks, outdoor water parks in, in western Pennsylvania, probably still is. When I drove by there a couple months ago, it was like, or last year or something, like, I was like, I don't even know if I would go down that water slide. It looks like, like a, the wood's rusted or what, if, if that's even possible, you know? Like, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, the wood's rusted, yeah. Um, just shut up. It's tough to public communicate. It's, it's tough. So, uh, so he, he invited me up there with his family. And his family had different rules than, than we had. You know, I was seven years old. I wasn't allowed to be left alone in an amusement park, right? So my friend, his mom says, I'm going to be by the pool. If you need anything, just come get me. Now, here's the problem. This was like the furthest place that I'd been away from my home as a seven-year-old. Didn't know where I was. Didn't even know how to get there. I just knew it took forever, you know. It felt like it took two days to get there. Um, also, I'd never been there before. You ever been to a place, it, almost like what Tara Lynn was saying, where it's like limited resources, you don't know the language of the people, and, you know, it's just like you, you're in the... You, you don't, you lose in direction. That's exactly what I felt in that moment. So I like, I, I went in the parking lot and I'm like, this isn't Kennywood. You know, I had the expectation it was going to be Kennywood. So I, I it, it started off horribly. <clears throat> My friends were ahead and I had to keep up with them. So I started running and the mom yells, don't run. So I obviously keep on running, right? That's what, we, what you do when you're a seven-year-old boy. And I tripped over something. I should have taken her advice, tripped over something. And I had brush burns all up and down my arm, down my leg, everything. And it just like started off horrible. Now it was like a 90 degree day. So the black top was like ridiculously hot. Like you stand on it, your feet get hot, you know? So I fell on it and man, I just, I was just, I was in so much pain. So I remember that when you're a little kid and you had a brush burn, it felt like your arm was going to fall off. I mean, it, that was just the way it was. Uh, now my, my kids, five and two, they get brush burns I'm like, suck it up, you know? <laughs> like, I need to have a little bit more compassion. Just remind me of that later when I'm yelling at them. So I, I okay, yeah, I yell at them for brush burns and crying. Okay, I'm just throwing it out there. Every dad does. It's like, come on, quit crying. I'm so sick of crying. I can't take any more wine and just stop, you know? Anyways, get back to it. <laughs> just talk to me in a normal language, kid. So, um, so we go into the park and like, I didn't want to ride any rides, right? Because I had these brush burns all up and down my arm and the sun was baking on them. So it's like, I'm getting sunburn on my brush burn. This is horrible. So my friend said, why don't we go to the water park? So I'm like, okay, we'll go to the water park. Sounds good. So we start going toward the water park. And then he said, well, wait, let's go to the haunted house real quick. And I said, okay, sounds good. And, but I didn't know where the haunted house was. And then he just started running. Okay. And so it's just me and my friend in the middle of Waldemere Park and he's running toward a haunted house. I don't even know where it is. And I start looking around for him and I can't find him. Suddenly I find the, the haunted house. I think this is the haunted house he wanted to go to. I'm seven years old. And I look, I'm like, I can't find him anywhere. So then I remembered his mom was at the pool. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go find a pool. So I found a pool. His mom wasn't there. Okay. So think, put yourself in a seven-year-old's shoes. You know what I did? I did what every stable seven-year-old would do. I sat down on the 90-degree the blacktop and just started screaming. <laughs> like I was like, I'm alone! You know, I just started crying and screaming and like doing anything I could. Now this lady walks up to me, okay? And 
man, I felt so alone at the time. Like I felt like I couldn't trust anybody. This, this poor woman, she came up to me. She was a sweet mom and she said, oh, honey, honey, hey, are you lost, little boy? And I was like, little boy, little boy. That's what they say on the movies when they're about to abduct somebody. <laughs> Stranger danger! You know, just start yelling out. No, I didn't really do that. But like, as it plays in my head, I, I really, you know, it just kind of helps the story if you embellish a little bit. But you know, so I'm like flipping out though on the inside and I do not trust this lady at all, right? And she's like, I'm gonna take you to people who can help you. And she walks us up, she walks me up to the security and the security, I remember they called, there's like this big megaphone and I was the lost boy. You know, we have a lost child. None of you have ever heard that at an amusement park. That's not good, but we have a lost child. I was the lost child, you know? And so as a seven-year-old, a lot of things went through my mind that I still remember, okay? A lot of things went through my mind. I remember feeling like, okay, everybody's like, now everybody is so huge compared to me. I can't see anything, right? So everybody's walking around. It was almost like the crowd enveloped me and I was just, I just had this panic of crowds. Guys, I've put it together, finally. That's why I hate crowds. I put it together. Oh, my inner child can heal now. I'm good. Oh gosh, I could be in New York City. We could go to Times Square, finally. I'm set free. <laughs> uh, so we went, okay? So the crowd kind of just swallowed me, right? And I'm like, I'm just lost and alone. I felt like I couldn't trust a single person. Have you ever been in a situation like that? Have you ever been in a situation like that? I also remember thinking like, and this is just such young thinking, but I remember thinking I'm gonna have to walk home or like hitchhike or something because they're clearly not here. I'm all alone. How am I even gonna get home? I don't even know where I am right now. And I just felt so alone and so lost. And I, and, and I remember I felt responsible. I felt alone. I felt, I felt unsafe. I felt like somebody could just like kind of grab me and like run away and I couldn't trust anybody. And you know, and here's the thing about, here's the thing about church. I just have to take a little sidebar. Because like, this is exactly, this is exactly why we do what we do on a Saturday. It's because people every day feel the same feelings that I felt as a, a, when I was a little kid, feeling unsafe, alone, nobody to protect you. You felt responsible. You feel, I mean, kids grow up so quickly nowadays, you know, they grow up so quickly nowadays and adolescence is now being pushed into like your mid thirties, you know? So we're expected to be a kid whenever we're, you know, whenever we're 35 and people are making decisions, but, but this is why we exist. We exist, you know, to help people who are hurting, lost and broken. And so uh, just a little bit, even I'll do a sidebar to the sidebar. There have been some things that I've been working on for 19 North, really, I would say since about October. God has started to put some things in my heart uh, about this ministry, and it really has, it's really taken some time to come to fruition, but it's going to start to come to fruition. Guys, I really want to see this ministry go beyond what we're doing on a Saturday night right now. This right here is awesome. Okay, We're, I, I love you guys. I love you so much. I love interacting with you. I love worshiping with you. I love being able to share the word of God with you. I love being in there for you in the best of times and the worst times of your life. I love the marriages that are gonna come out of this in advance. I did 13 weddings last year, all out of 19 North. Crazy, yeah, our whole leadership team like got married last year. It was awesome. Uh, but you know, when it comes down to it, I love this, but it's not good enough for me. This isn't good enough. What we do on a week-to-week -week basis, 
We need to reach some people, guys. We need to start stepping out beyond the four walls of this room and to start to reach people. Guys, I've got a vision for Slippery Rock. I've got a vision for Grove City. I've got a, got a vision for Geneva College. Got a vision for the colleges around here, but it's gonna take some concentrated effort. And so what I've really asked in, in a lot of ways is that we, we start to spend some money on this ministry from a whole church standpoint. Now listen, what you guys do on a week-to-week basis we don't take any money from the main church. We operate solely on, on ourselves. Not like the, the cost of like running the room and everything like that, but you realize that your giving is enough to sustain this ministry. And actually your giving has been so good um, that we have a surplus in the mix. So we're gonna be bringing on a staff member for 19 North to help me to be able to start to execute some of the vision that we have in our heart. Okay, we're gonna have a full-time staff member, part-time staff member, I don't know, I'm fighting for full-time, baby. We're gonna believe God for full-time because it's gonna take a lot because we need to have a presence on our college campuses and we need to see this ministry thriving, reaching 20-somethings all over the place Uh, and and there are a whole bunch of things that I'm gonna take some time in August and I'm just gonna share with everyone my heart, okay? I wanna see events happening here monthly where we get to have some fun stuff. We all go bowling together afterwards, you know, something simple like that. We're gonna be doing a luau in June where uh, we're potentially, you know, I'm just going to throw details out there. Don't hold me accountable to these details. Okay. But, you know, I want to, I want to do some events over the summer. We're going to be doing a luau in June. We'll let you know the date here coming up where, you know, we'll do a pig roast. We'll do some volleyball. We'll do a big cookout out there. Um, You know, I'll wear a coconut bra. Just kidding. (laughs) Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe I'll save that for whenever we go home after the luau, sweetie. Yeah. Yeah, like, hi, Baba. <laughs> you know, she's like, why do you do that? It's so weird. Stop it. So, uh, so we're going to be doing a luau. We're going to have a lot of fun. But, but the purpose of those things is to start to move beyond us, you know. Um, we've been in a little bit of a lull here in this ministry because I haven't been able to provide as much focus here as I've wanted to provide. But man, I'm telling you, I believe in this ministry. I believe in the people who are sitting in this room. I believe in the leaders who we've yet to tap on to ask to take, in, take major responsibilities here within the ministry. I believe in this ministry. And I do believe, you know, when we took this ministry over, we grew this ministry to about 250, 300 people uh, that, that were coming. I mean, on an average weekend, if we had about 200 people that was under 200 people, that was like, oh man, that was a low attended weekend. And the greatest days are not behind us. The greatest days are ahead of us. And the reason that, that we want to see a lot of people in this room is because we want to see a lot of lives transformed to the glory of God. At that time as well, when we would have 200 people here, we would see 15, 20 people giving their life to Jesus every single week. It was crazy. Revival was happening here. And guess what's happened? We've paused that revival for a little bit. And we've seen it happening within our youth ministry. The youth ministry was about 60 kids when we took it over. And man, there was 190 kids here on a Saturday night. And, that, and that's just insane. That's just insane. That's unbelievable. And I looked around and I was like, man, it's a low attended night. That's good. But God wants to do that in our college campuses. God wants to do that in this place, in this ministry. Can, some, can I get a stinking witness or what? Is anybody excited about that? I want to see this ministry thriving, and it's, and it's for the purpose of reaching people. I've never said it. I've always wanted to say it, so I said it. Can I get a witness? You know, I just always want to say it. But there are people, this is why this ministry exists. There are people who feel alone and desperate and are hurting and are broken. And I know in this room right now, some of, some of us, all of us have all felt that way at some point, but some of us have, are feeling that way to a point where it's really holding us back in life. And there are three things that we're gonna provide to, to uh, the people who come through the doors here. 
Three things. Number one is we're going to provide safety. This is going to be a safe place. When you get plugged into a small group, it's going to be a safe place where you can share what God's doing in your heart or the things that you've gone through. A life group is a perfect example of it. If you go through a life group, you're going to be involved with a group of people going through some really deep core issues in your life to be talking about. I mean, this is the only small group that I really want to run because it's just so much life change attached to it. But those are going to be happening in the fall again. In the next semester, if you do that, it's a safe place for you to be able to talk with people about the hurts and the pains and the unforgiveness that you might be going through in your day-to-day life. And that group will rally around you and pray for you and encourage you. That's the whole purpose of it. Coming here on a Saturday night, man, this is a safe place for you to be. You know, you could be getting ridiculed in your school. You could be getting ridiculed in your family because you are the born-again Christian, right? And your whole family, they're like, what, what kind of Kool-Aid are you drinking, you know? But you need to be able to come here and have a safe place to express your love and adoration for God. It's a safe place where nobody's gonna look at you because you're raising your hands and say, dude, you're a little bit crazy, you know what I mean? You're just, come on. You have a safe place to worship. You have a safe place to hear and, and learn about the things of God. Okay, and we're gonna continue uh, to, to go along that, uh, along those lines. Safety and belonging is so important. The second thing is belonging. Man, we want to see people, the Bible says that God sets the lonely in families. We're going to talk about this, but I want to see us functioning more as a family than just, you know, just coming, coming to a church on a, on a, on a week-to-week basis. And we've got to get in each other's lives. We've got to let the Word of God change our lives, and we've got to rally around each other. Now, just the other day, I'd encourage you, just the power of getting together. Just the other day, I just got together with a group of guys I've been wanting to get together with individually. Like, man, I don't have the time to get together with all these guys individually, so let's just get them in a group and see what happens, you know? We got in a group. We just ate some wings. We talked a little bit. Man, it was meaningful. It was really meaningful. Guess what? We didn't really talk about much. They thought they were coming to a meeting because a pastor said, hey, I want to, I just want to connect with you guys. I'm like, okay, what's he going to ask me to do probably? I was like, I just want to get to know you guys, but there was power in that meeting. You know, and the Bible says that, that, you know, where two or more are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst. Even when guys get together and get some wings on a Tuesday night, right, at Quaker Steak, and you eat like 40 wings a piece, you know God's in the, mix, in the mix, right? Belonging. You need a place where you belong. You need a place where you belong. If you feel lonely, man, every person needs a place where they belong. And the third thing that we're going to provide is empowerment, Okay? We're not even into the message. I can't wait to share with you what God has, been, God has been dealing with my heart. Now, my iPad is like 15%, so you are guaranteed to be out of here at a certain time, right? <laughs> so amen, right? So empowerment is a third thing. The third thing we're gonna, man, I want, I just wanna awaken in you. And I, I, you know what, I'm gonna rephrase that. I really want to create an atmosphere, a leadership atmosphere, where the spirit of God is free to empower you to do the things that are on your heart where the Spirit of God will reveal to you, no matter where you are in life, no matter what you've been through, where you feel, man, I'm chasing my dream right now. I'm chasing the purpose and the plan that God has for me. My life isn't just a get on the hamster wheel, go to, go to work, collect a paycheck, get home day to day, but you wake up with excitement in your heart because you feel empowered to do something great. It could be in a volunteer capacity. It could be in a job capacity. It could just be recalibrating your relationships with your families or with, with people, you know, your peers. Safety, belonging, and empowerment. It's really important. It's really important. But I know deep down in my heart that there are people in here. Now, now there are a couple groups of people, right? Um, I don't like to categorize people, but I have to, you know, in this, in this setting. Um, there are people who grew up, and, and man, you've had a pretty solid life, right? There are people who are, 
have had a pretty solid life, but they're in fear because there's a lot of things that might be falling through the cracks right now in your life. And then there are people who've just, like Lauren would say, man, you had just such a, such a sad childhood, you know? People who've had really messed up, messed up situations. Man, I, I, I met with this one gentleman, and I can't give you all the details because everything, all the counseling that I do has to be 100% confidential. I mean, you know, man, I, but I met with this one, this one gentleman, and the situation that he's going through in his family you know, had caused him to want to, to take his life because he couldn't, he couldn't handle it. And as I, as I process and, and hear and listen to him and the things that he's really going through, it's one of those stories where you listen and you're like, I, I cannot believe that this is, this is really going on in somebody's life. Like, I can't believe it. And you would look at this gentleman and you'd think that he has everything together. You'd think that you know, you look at him and you're like, man, he's, he's a good kid. I mean, he's, he's a straight-A student and, you know, he's got scholarship offers all over the place. Really cordial, really easy to talk to. But you look at his life and you're like, man, there is no way in a million years that I would predict that, that this would be going on in your life. And if he didn't open up to me and tell me, there was no way that I would have ever predicted it, right? And so there are people that have just gone through some crazy circumstances as well. No matter where you fall, if you're like, man, I've had a pretty solid life, or man, I'm a little bit fearful that, that things are gonna fall through the cracks right now, or you've just had a crappy life. Listen, all of us have felt alone in life. Every single person in here have felt alone. Uh, whether you're in a big family or a small family, we've all been there, right? That Waldemere experience, I'm gonna tell you some of the things that, that I really felt when I, when I was there, right? I felt unsafe, I felt alone, I felt inadequate, I felt powerless. Some of those words that I'm just throwing out, I'm just having a feeling that there are some people who feel, even right now, unsafe, alone, inadequate, powerless, maybe overlooked, maybe overlooked. Um, I remember, you guys ever watch, uh, who has Netflix in here and it's, Anybody on Netflix? Okay, I'm gonna suggest you watch something, okay? Especially if you're into leadership. I'm just gonna unpack some of my heart so you can see how God's changed my life because I, I believe that it's gonna be a roadmap for some people in here. Um, on Netflix, there's, uh, there's, a, there's a series called The Men Who Build America. Don't know if, if you've ever watched that, okay? But it's really good leadership principles in there. And, and really, like, if in my spare time, that's what I do. I watch, watch leadership. I watch, you know, great leaders. I, great, I watch great communicators. I love watching Ronald Reagan. Um, I, I can't make political statements, but I will tell you, he was the great communicator. They, they called him that, um, you know, for, for a reason. He's a great communicator. So I watch Ronald Reagan a lot, a lot of his speeches. Um, I'm a big history buff. I study the presidents. Uh, I think it's really interesting that as you go back throughout time, throughout history, uh, there were certain presidents that it looks like, man, it's like, wow, God raised that president up for that period of time because they had a skill set that was needed, Republican, Democrat, whatever, and so many things have changed throughout the years. But you can look and see that. And I, 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 with that mindset, I started watching this. And, and you guys have probably heard of John D. Rockefeller, 
who, uh, who had the company Standard Oil, and, and he bought out pretty much every, every company, uh, every, every power company in, in, the, in the U.S. at the time, and that was before, that was prior to nuclear energy. So John D. Rockefeller, just throwing it out there, became more rich than Bill Gates and Warren Buffett combined right now. He was the wealthiest man who ever, you know, walked on the planet. He and, uh, and, and Andrew Carnegie were two of the, the wealthiest men to ever step foot on the planet. But one of the, the, one of the things that caused his striving was his father walked into uh, the kitchen one day and looked at him. And his father was, you know, broken individually, looked at him in the eyes. He said, don't ever trust anyone. Don't ever trust anyone. And in that moment, when I heard that word, it was almost like the Spirit of God dealt with my heart, Zach, that is you. He said to me, Zach, that's you. You don't trust, I, I live by that rule, don't trust anyone, okay? And, and listen, that was like a phrase in the 90s, it was cool, like, don't trust anyone, you know? But that is not a phrase that children of God live by and can succeed in life by, don't trust anyone, right? And so God began to deal with my heart around a, a, a couple of topics and a, around a couple of things. And listen, I know that there are people in here who feel the exact same way. You have trust issues. You cannot open up to people. You, you, you can't talk to people. You can't open up and be your full self around. I'll be honest with you. I, I, don't, trust, I don't trust people, period. I don't open up my heart with, with people very often. I, I don't share things unless I've known someone for years. I won't tell them what I'm really, really thinking. And you can be upset with me about that and you say you should be an example. Well, I'm, I'll be an example of my repentance if I can't be an example in my, in my everyday life. I'll show you how I'm changing that, okay? Um, just gonna be real with you guys. But God began to deal with my heart about this and uh, I listened to a message from, uh, from Bill Johnson. Anybody know who Bill Johnson is? Okay, Bill Johnson, I got a woo over there. That's good. Um, Bill Johnson is a pastor at Bethel. A lot of the songs that we sing have been from Bethel. And uh, one thing that Bill Johnson hit on for one second is he said, he talked about an orphan mentality. And it was almost as if God merged don't trust anyone with orphan mentality. And, and I, I realize this is me. This is me. I feel fatherless. I feel as if I don't trust anyone. I don't have anyone in my life. Now listen, there's, re there's resolution to this, okay? But I started to study this topic and give my heart to this topic, which is why I wanna spend some time with you guys and teaching some of the things that God revealed to me. And I'm telling you that there are certain things that have taken place that God has completely walked me through just by understanding this. It was like God's timing, God's uh, uh, unbelievable timing in my life. But I wanna let you know, and I wrote this down because it's just so important that God has the answer for all of the pain that we feel in life. God has the answer to the striving that you may be feeling in your heart or in your life. God has an answer to it, right? And I wrote this down. God has an answer for the loneliness, mistrust, powerlessness we feel in life. It's that he calls us his sons and daughters. So my, my message for you is so simple that you might overlook it. And you might... Listen, this is simple but profound. You might look past the depth of this. Because yes, I've heard this before. 
I'm gonna pause and I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through this methodically and slowly with you, just because. And I want you to remember this one thing. If you remember one thing tonight, this is what I want you to remember. This is what I want you to write, write down and put on your fridge or on your mirror. Because this is what God has dealt with my heart that's changed my life. God will never abandon you, overlook you, or mistreat you. He calls you his sons and daughters. God will never abandon you, overlook you, or mistreat you. He calls you his sons and daughters. Guys, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you what it's like. You are not alone. No matter the loneliness that you may have felt in life, no, you, you're not alone. God's with you. And God loves you. You know that, right? I remember when my son was born, Noah, um, I remember taking some time at night and I would give Lauren a little bit of a break because when I was working, you know, she would wake up in the middle of the night to, to be with Noah. So I'd take time and try to get her, you know, why don't you go to bed a little bit early? I'll, I'll take care of him to, to help him, you know, get to sleep. So I'd be rocking him and I'd be holding him in my arms. And this isn't a love that I can describe. But I remember looking at that boy. And right now I do this thing with my kids called, you know, 100 kisses. <laughs> and, uh, and I'll get both of my kids in headlocks right here. Not like hard headlocks, trust me. Like I'm, I'm a gentle, tough but tender, right? So I get my, my kids right here and I'll just go back and forth 100 times. You know, I'll count one, two, three, four. Just back and forth and kiss them 100 times, right? So it might seem overwhelming to you, but it is like the best thing for me. My daughter, she looks up at me and she has this smile and, and Lauren taught her to blow me kisses when she asks for something. <laughs> oh gosh, it's horrible. It is so bad. Oh. oh my. I'm like thinking about it and I'm tearing up. I love her so much. I love that boy so much. I love him. Like I would do anything. You know how like some people would say like, you know, I, I, man, I, I would take a bullet for you. Like maybe not in the head, but like in the leg. <laughs> like I would take one in, I would for my kids, like without even thinking about it. I love them so much. And this love for my kids, it just like went, it just happened so naturally. I look at them like, I cannot describe this. Like what is this warmth I feel all over my body? Like this is crazy, you know? As a guy, it's like, Man, I want to be so tough, but like you're just broken down by your kids. You love them so much. Let me just tell you that that's the heart of the Father for you. That's the heart of the Father. The Bible says that we're all sons and daughters through faith in Jesus Christ. If you've given your life over to God through Jesus Christ, he calls you his son and daughter, and he looks at you with that love. It, it is, and this is the primary purpose that Jesus came to this earth, was to reveal the heart of the Father to spiritual orphans. This is it. And we're all spiritual orphans. No matter where, you know, you may have had an awesome family. You may have an, an amazing dad that you're best friends with or amazing mom you're best friends with. But on the ground, here's the ground where we're, we're all on even ground in. We are all spiritual orphans and Jesus came to this earth to solve that problem, to put us into a new family, to, to restore the love of the Father and to teach the love of the Father, right? Oh, so good. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. God will never abandon you, overlook you, or mistreat you. He calls you his sons and daughters. Gosh, if you can get that in your heart, you will never struggle with fear. Again, the Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. 
If you're struggling with fear, it's because you don't have a revelation that you're a child of God. Seriously? Oh man, I can't wait to get in this. Let's go, okay? There are three things that I really want you to know tonight. Three things that I really want you to know that God is a defender of the fatherless. Number one, God is a defender of the fatherless. I wanna bust through a whole bunch of scriptures. We're just gonna put them up in just a second. But I gotta tell you about Chucky the Terror, okay? Not the movie Chucky, but this kid, man, who, I'm a t-ball coach, right? Just bear with me. This is worth it. His name's not Chucky, but it, like, that's the only name that'll fit this kid. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just being honest with you. Oh, man. So, oh, Lauren feels bad. I'll repent later. Sorry, Jesus. Please forgive me. <laughs> but I'm going to tell the truth. It's how God made me. I have to tell the truth. Um, so this kid, we're, I'm a t-ball coach. Me and, and a guy named Matt, who actually comes to church here, we're, we're t-ball coaches for, for Noah's team. It's, it's ages five, you know, age five. Um, and, and I'm just going to throw this little tidbit out. We have like, we have the best team ever, right? So we did this like little experiment. I'm a little bit competitive and, you know, so Matt, the reason we have the best team is like, Matt got to like pick all the team, all the team members that we had, <laughs> you know, so we got to know all the kids throughout the last year. We go like, yeah, we want that kid. We want that kid. So we picked the team. All right. Yeah. So we were like stacked, man. It was awesome. So we have like, we have like five-year-olds. We had a five-year-old hit the fence, you know, like the other day it went up in the air one bounce hit the fence the other people like have the kids who like go boom and like the t the t it like knocks the t over and the ball goes backwards you know just throwing it out there this one kid i don't even know how this is possible but this one kid he's a portly little fellow i love him he's so cute so he gets his he gets his bat up right and he slings and he goes all the way back and he swings like this and goes all the way around and he hit it going backwards like this and the coach was like uh foul ball like you know come back we didn't know what to do we're like we had never processed that possibly happening in t-ball you know it's amazing so there was this one kid named named chucky man i'm just gonna call him chucky and chucky last year he was like i'm gonna give you like a real situation i am not making fun of this kid i'm just telling you like he was picking his nose running around in circles and making dragon noises okay like this is chucky right <laughs> this is just what he does okay and so he would be the kid that you're trying to teach how to bat and and his parents would be like come on chucky go ahead and bat and he'd get the bat and he'd look at it like mm -mm. you know and he's standing in the batter's box his parents were like we're gonna pull you out of the game you know and he'd be like mm -mm. so the coach would be like Come on, Chucky, just swing. And he'd look, he'd smile, you know, like the mischievous smile. Yeah. And then he would like bend down and he'd just hit the tee on purpose. Poof. And the ball would go backwards. Like, oh, this kid, you know, his kid. He would get to first base. And you know what he'd do on first base? I'm not running. And he'd just sit down hmm, like this. Do you know why, by the way? It's because his parents will not spank him. Just throwing it out there. I'm like, I'm going to spank this kid. Somebody spank him. <laughs> Grandma, somebody, you know. Oh, man. <laughs> there are obvious boundaries when it comes to disciplining your kids, you know, and, and there's a lot of beliefs that we have on that. I might be portraying extreme here, but seriously, somebody needs to discipline that kid, period. So I was about to. But anyways, Chucky kind of pushed our buttons last year, so Chucky's not on our team anymore because we, <laughs> we get to pick the teams, right? So <laughs> we put him on another team, and there's a kid. Looks just like Chucky's two inches taller. I'm like, that looks just like him. He does the same stuff. I'm like, Chucky's back. 
I thought his parents would pull him out because, you know, it was a horrible experience for them last year. I didn't think he was going to make it a second year at T-ball, but he made it his second year. So he comes back. He gets on base. He hits the ball. I'm like, okay, great. He's on base. But a couple seconds into his first base trip, old Chucky comes back. He looks around like this. He gets that look. And our first baseman, Chase, he's like, he looks like he's in eighth grade, but he's like five, right? It's unbelievable. So he has one foot on the base already. Like our kids, we don't even have to be on the field. Like they'll ground it, they'll throw it the first, Chase will catch it, he'll tag them out. You know what I mean? It's unbelievable. T-ball, it's so fun. We picked our team, okay? So Chase is standing on the base like this. Chucky's on first base. He looks around. He kicks Chase. He goes, like that. Like that, you know, just this look. I'm like, did he just kick him? So I'm the only one watching. Nobody's watching, right? I'm like looking around, like all the fans are over there. Chucky's here. I'm the only coach on the field. I'm like, where's his coach, you know? Chucky looks around, he goes, boom, and kicks him again. Chase is like, what is going on? And then it dawns on me, my son's playing second base, right? And Chucky is gonna get to second base and he's going to run past my son. So here's what I picture in my head. I'm gonna be honest. Do I grab Chucky and just throw him over the fence? Do I hold him upside down by his feet and shake him a little bit? I don't know, but something needs to happen, right? So I'm like, Chucky, <laughs> don't you kick anybody. I'm gonna, get, I'm gonna get you off the field if you kick somebody. And he looked at me and just like, you know, he's not used to discipline, so he didn't know what to do, you know? And I talked to my son, like, hey, Noah. He goes, yeah, dad. <laughs> like, Noah, that was a good impression. I was like, Noah, if Chucky kicks you, punch him in the mouth. <laughs> Stirring <laughs> it out there. He's like, really? Like my son has such a good conscience. He has such a good heart. Like, yeah, dude, knock him down, okay? <laughs> In fact, if you don't knock him over, don't come home tonight. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but here's the thing. Like this, this dad rose up inside of me. It's like the, I got to defend my kid, right? I have to defend my kid rose up on the inside of me and I have to do everything I can to make sure to protect my kid, even from Chucky the shin kicker, okay? <laughs> Sets me over the edge thinking about it. But man, you know, here's the thing, right? God's a defender. God's a defender of the fatherless. God's a defender of the fatherless. Um, I'm gonna read you, I'm just gonna blast a couple scriptures. It says, do not take advantage of the widow or the fatherless. If you do and, and they cry out to me, I will certainly hear their cry. No, it's not like God saying, don't take advantage of, you know? He's like, if, if they cry out to me, I'm gonna hear it. I'm gonna hear it. That's big, right? Listen, God cares about you and he defends you. Now listen, again, if you had an earthly father, if you didn't have an earthly father, we're still all spiritual orphans. This is for everybody. God is your defender. God is your defender. Deuteronomy 10, 18, it says, he defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. He defends your cause. Psalm 10, 14 says, but you, God, see the trouble of the afflicted. You consider their grief and take it in hand. The victims commit themselves to you. You're the helper of the fatherless. In Psalm 10, 17 and 18, it says, You, Lord, 
Hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry, defending the fatherless and the oppressed so that mere earthly mortals, that's like the best statement, right? The most 300-esque statement in the Bible, mere earthly mortals will never again strike terror. Like that's a big deal right there. He said mere earthly mortals. He's like saying, wow, dude, nobody can strike terror in you again. Look at that word terror and and, and realize that that word terror is associated with a person. You're afraid of a person in your life, whether it be whatever, you're afraid of a person, man, you need to understand that God's got your back. God has got your back. He's your defender. And in Psalm 146 in verse nine, it says, the Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. He frustrates the ways of the wicked. God's your defender. God's your defender. You remember the story of, of Saul of Tarsus uh, keeping it very short so my iPad doesn't, you know, die on me. But keeping it very short for real, Saul of Tarsus was killing Christians. He's murdering Christians, okay? He's on his way to Damascus. And suddenly Jesus appears to him. And the first thing that Jesus says to him is, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, Saul looked up to him and he said, who are you, Lord, right? At that moment, Saul's life was changed. He, he encountered Jesus and his life was changed, right? Who are you, Lord? And Jesus looked at him and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul wasn't persecuting Jesus directly. He was persecuting Jesus indirectly. But Saul didn't know that Jesus takes directly persecution people, that put, people put on you. Listen, when your family persecutes you, they're persecuting Jesus, and he takes that personally. He takes it personally. When when people outside, maybe in your job. I talked to a, a, a girl a couple weeks ago who talked about her boss and some things that her boss was doing that were just completely unethical and, and just wrong. You know he's not just persecuting you, he's, he's persecuting Jesus every time he persecutes you. I remember in, in the book of Exodus, the scriptures say that God heard the cries of the Israelites. He heard and he felt their pain. He felt their pain. I want you to know that no matter what people have done to you, God feels your pain. So many people ask me, why do great, bad things happen to good people? That's a question we get. Just talking, you, you got that just the other day. Lauren uh, was asking me, what, listen, we stand and believe what the Bible says no matter what, okay? Sometimes our reality doesn't line up with what the scriptures say, if we're just honest. Lauren and I lost a baby in June. And we were believing God for that baby to be healed and to be, to be whole because we knew something was going on. Guess what? We didn't, we didn't get exactly what we were believing for. But that doesn't mean that I think that God's not a healer. Do I know everything? Do I understand everything? Absolutely not. Do, do I know that evil comes from the evil one? Yeah. It's pretty simple. It's like kindergartners can fix this out. Bad devil, good God, right? We're not going to understand everything. We're not going to have a perfect life. The Bible says, Jesus said, you're in this world and you will have trouble just because you're in the world. It's an environmental thing. You're in the world. Trouble ends out of the world. We've always got hope within those troubles though, guys. Don't, don't lose heart in that. We've always got hope in those troubles that we, that we go through. We're not going to understand. We're not going to understand everything. We're not, but why, does good thing, why do good things happen to, to bad people? Listen, God takes our pain so seriously that he associated himself with it at the cross. 
He takes your and my pain so seriously that he associated himself with it at the cross. He took our pain, our shame, our guilt at the cross in an excruciating death. That's where the, where the word excruciating comes from, from, from crucifixion. It's an agonizing pain. He resonates with it. We may not understand why we have to go through it, but he certainly understands it firsthand. He's a defender of the fatherless. The second thing is, God's a father to the fatherless. God's a father to the fatherless. Not only does he defend them, but he takes the sole responsibility of stepping in where other people have failed. You're not gonna have perfect parents. I don't have perfect parents. I am not a perfect parent. If you do have good parents, there are gonna be areas that they've failed in, but God takes responsibility to step into those areas. So conversation, uh, you guys know David Falk, right? Anybody love David Falk here? Yeah, David's gonna be coming back here soon. Can't quite remember when, because I'm not really good with details, but yeah, he's on the schedule. Uh, but David said to me that his parents, his parents are unbelievable people. His parents came to him and said, David, you know, there are so many things that we did right, but there are so many things that we did wrong. We want you to carry on the legacies that you look at and you feel like, man, we, we, did, we did it right. But those things that were wrong, you go ahead and change them for your family. That is such a healthy statement for parents to say to their kids, to understand, hey, I didn't do everything right. But where God fills in, this is, this is it. If your father or mother didn't necessarily give you any wisdom growing up, I mean, listen, they're in your life. Like, give them grace, right? Give them grace. I'm not, this isn't like one of those messages where we blame everything on our parents and we're not doing that, right? But in the areas that they missed it, God's ready to step in. So if your parents didn't necessarily give you wisdom growing up, well, God's gonna bring a spiritual father and mother to fill in that gap because he cares about you, okay? I'm gonna give you a couple of these things right here. Okay, God's a father of the fatherless. Now, this is also why this is so strong in my heart. We're obviously about to have a baby who's gonna be born into a fathered home, right? A, a, a home where, where mom and dad are staying together. A mother, you know, mother's in the home, a father's in the home. You look at my kids, uh, and, and if you ask them what this is, uh, they'll say, daddy's ring. Excellent. Now, what does this mean to the normal person? It means that somebody's married, they're taken, you know, you see him wearing this at 19 North, you're like, okay, probably shouldn't ask them out, you know, all that stuff, right? <laughs> so, to my kids, though, and to me and to Lauren, it means a lot more than just married. If you ask my kids what this means, they say, that you never leave us, Dad, that you never leave us. That's what this means, that Dad never leaves. Man, that is the heart of God for you. God will never abandon you God will never turn his back on you. God will never mistreat you because he loves you. He loves you so much. So that baby's gonna be born into a, a home with a relatively healthy mom and dad, right? But God's also put on our heart to have one more child after and, and we're really processing right now and working through adoption as well. So we're gonna have four kids the last one, maybe even a fifth, you never know, will be adopted, coming from fatherless homes. That's why this is really important to us. God is a father to the fatherless. I'll read a couple scriptures here, and we've got to speed up. Psalm 68, 5 and 6 says, A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. Just, man, Bible says Selah, right? 
You just pause and think and let that settle in. A father to the fatherless. <laughs> See, the thing about fatherless kids, I mean, it's pandemic in the inner city right now. 71% of kids are, are without a dad. Um, I think it's, if you, you can look at the, the census statistics, um, it's pretty ridiculous. But that doesn't account for homes with distant dads either. You know, I, I'm going to tell you something that I just really feel and rise up in my heart. And I'm, I'm just, some of you have been in homes with distant dads and you don't have a relationship with your dad. You felt alone. You felt mistreated. You felt as if you don't have a godly example of a man in your life to understand. I, and specifically, a young lady would have a, a father who mistreated her I'm so sorry, but you have to know that God is a father to the fatherless. You weren't alone. You're here right now to hear this message because God specifically loves you and cares about you so much and wants to reveal to you he's a father to you. You felt like you were alone. No, you're not. He's your father. God sets the lonely in families he leads out the prisoners with singing. Man, if you've ever been lonely, God takes responsibility to set you in a family. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. The book of Romans says, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. See, when you know who your dad is, fear kind of falls to the side, right? Hosea 14.3 says, For in you the fatherless find compassion. So we, we know that God's a defender of the fatherless and God's a father to the fatherless. But I want you also to know that God blesses people who care for the fatherless. There's some different things we were talking about prior to service as well with uh, Alicia and Brooke who are going to be holding up a, a lot of our events here because we've got to do stuff outside of these walls. You know, we've got to understand that there are people who are hurting and lost and broken and so we're going to be specifically working with uh, one of my best friends is uh, he works for Light of Life. So we're going to be specifically working with Light of Life this year, hopefully doing some, some outreaches, some things that we can do um, to help uh, and on June 20th, a good friend of mine named Seth Reichert is coming in, and Seth works with Urban Impact. Seth is a freak of nature, man. He's like six foot three, 210 right now, but he was about 245. He's a linebacker at Liberty University. Um, he has six kids, which is crazy. Um, Seth is my age. He's a year older than me. Um, but, man, he's, he's unbelievable. And he's going to give you an, an option. He's going to give you some, some areas where you can... Uh, that... that <laughs> it's called a click track so the band stays on on time <laughs> and it faded away i love you guys you're awesome sorry about that i have like i do have like i, I get distracted easily just so you know <laughs> my apologies Seth is going to be coming in to, to give you, listen, God blesses people who care for the fatherless. And I have this written down because I don't want to forget it. Listen, it's not about you. If God's changed your life, he's calling you to do something about it. He's calling you to do something about it. Whether it's leading somebody to Christ from being a spiritual orphan or actually getting tangible down and helping somebody who doesn't have a, 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 a good family. 
read this from Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 5 through 7. And, and this, the context of this is God's promised land is Israel. It's a place of God's blessing for the Israelites. And God spoke this to Jeremiah. He said, if you really change your ways and your actions and deal with each other justly, if you do not oppress the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow, if you treat people, if you treat people right, the fatherless or the widow, I mean, he blesses people who, who care for the fatherless and do not shed innocent blood in this place. And if you do not follow other gods to your own harm, then I will let you live in this place and I will give your ancestors, I will give it to your ancestors forever and ever. God blesses people. Not only is, is God a defender of the fatherless, is God a father to the fatherless, but God blesses people who bless the fatherless. Now, I do have something very specific on my heart for tonight to close us out. And I just appreciate if everybody could just close your eyes for a second because I just know in my heart, and this is the time where we want to allow God room and we want to allow God to, to, to speak to us. And I do believe that, that God speaks to us all. Sometimes it's through other people. Sometimes it's at what, the, what people refer to as the still small voice in your heart. Not every time that God speaks is this big bustling voice from the heavens coming out and, and it's easy to hear. But I do believe God can speak to you in this time. And here's a specific call to action that I have for every person in this room. I just know that there are people in this place who are reeling with fear. And I just have one word to speak to you. You're no longer an orphan or a slave to fear. You're God's child. See, you have fear about what school you're going to get into someday. How you're going to finish your degree. How you're going to pay for college. You're a child of God. Now, I have to pause Because I want you to hear this not as something to convince you, but as a proclamation or a declaration over your life. And I want you to pause and I want you to actually think about the fears that you might be feeling and you might be struggling with in life right now. And understand that there's only one thing that can change that. It's understanding that you're God's child and he's got, he's got your best in mind. He's going to take care of you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to abandon you. He's not going to overlook you. He's not going to turn his back on you. He's not going to mistreat you. See, you have fear about, about schooling. You are a child of God. You have fear that you won't get be able to get a good job and take care of your family. You're a child of God. You have fear that you'll someday not be able to have children. You are a child of God. You have fear that you're going to be alone for the rest of your life. You're a child of God. You have fear that you're going to die early like other people in your family. You're a child of God. You have fear that you're going to be rejected by people because you believe in Jesus. You are a child of God. You're afraid because you're not good enough. You're a child of God. You're afraid because you're not smart enough. You're a child of God. You're afraid because you're tired. You're a child of God. You're afraid because you've been mistreated. You're a child of God. You're afraid because you've been rejected. You are a child of God. You're afraid because you can't control every circumstance in your life. You're God's child. You're afraid because you're struggling and nobody sees it and you haven't told anybody. You are God's child. See, no matter what you're struggling with tonight, I believe that there's an anointing from heaven in this room that says that all fear has to be broken. All worry and anxiety has to step aside because the children of God are in this room and we will not be shaken. 
we will not be shaken. We won't be moved by fear. So right now in Jesus' name, God, I thank you that you break the bondage of fear in our lives. You spoke over our lives in the word of God in Romans. You said we're no longer slaves or in bondage again to fear. But we're children of God. We're children of God. And I speak that over every person under the sound of my voice. Every person under the sound of my voice. Guys, I want you to take a moment. I want you to sit. I want you to reflect. I want you to think. And I want to allow God to deal with your heart, to give you an understanding that you're a child of God. God, would you give us that understanding tonight as we sit, as we listen? Would you give us an understanding that we're a child of God and fear has to bend its knee? Fear has to bow its knee to us. Oh, thank you, Father.